Welcome back to the Around the League podcast. We're going to be talking about these matchups that took place during the wild card round. But a little housekeeping first to kick it off. We are recording this on Monday before the Dallas-Tampa Bay game. The reason we're doing that is because later in the week, we're going to have a fun one here. Uh, Rob and I are going to moderate an episode between the Eagles and Giants guys. So we got an Eagles podcast. we got a Giants podcast. Many of you have heard them on this podcast, specifically in the offseason and with season uh, team previews. But it's going to be fun uh, because Rob is going for absolute prison rules. No holds bar on this. Uh, he wants these guys going at it. They're going to have their own episodes out later this week as well, but they're going to hop on here to preview the Giants-Eagles matchup. So we will not be talking about that one on this. We're going to discuss everything else. We'll touch on uh, Rob is going with the Niners matchup as if he already knows what has taken place. But if we are severely off on that one, we'll touch on it later in the week uh, with those guys as well. But wanted to jump on that uh, just so the listeners can note that uh, throughout this episode. Rob, wildcard weekend is about to wrap up. We're going to be discussing what took place this weekend. Uh, and, uh, you know, man, just tell me, how did you enjoy the games, did they kind of live up to expectations? Were you disappointed overall? Like, just kind of give me your overall thoughts on this weekend before we jump into this Seahawks-Niners matchup. Well, first and foremost, yeah, just shout out to Giant Up and Eagle Up Pod. We'll have them on later this week, like you said. And, yes, mm -hmm. I do want prison rules, no holds bar, tables, ladders, chairs, <laughs> whatever you got to do. Um, that That's going to be a fun one. We got some of our better – you know, more emotional um, podcast hosts from the Eagle Up and the Giant Up uh, podcast. So that'll be a fun one. But I, as far as the games go, I really enjoyed them. Um, I think yeah. what we were just talking about, five games played. We went three for two on our picks thus far. Um, I know we kind of split on the Cowboys and the Bucks tonight, but mm -hmm. uh, we went three for two. Should have went four for one. I mean, Giants played really well. Um, shout out to them, but the Chargers were our other pick, and they completely blew it. Probably the worst. It's got to be right. I didn't. I didn't really look at the statistics of like worst playoff comebacks in uh, playoff history. I mean, that's got to be up there. So uh, you figured that game was over before the second half started, and um, obviously things turned out differently. Uh, Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence looked really good in the second half. Chargers offense looks super stagnant, playing not to lose, um, and it ended up costing them. So I, that that makes me really change my mind for this Chiefs-Jaguars game, um, or at least the divisional round matchups, what I should say. I thought the Chargers had a legitimate shot against the Chiefs. We've, we talked about that last week. Um, they went over 2 against them this year, but only lost by 3 in both of those games. Now you got the Chiefs versus Jaguars I think the Jaguars, uh, their luck runs out this weekend against the Chiefs. We'll get to that, uh, obviously, but um, really disappointing loss for the Chargers. Other than that, I think the other games were as expected. Uh, Bengals-Ravens was really tighter than maybe some of us might have thought, but uh, on the flip side, a lot of people predict that would be a grinded-out type of win. Uh, you play a divisional rival, and, and that usually, that's usually what happens. So a lot of good ones. My 49ers pick to go to the Super Bowl is looking pretty good right now. Uh, I don't know how you could have watched them play and, and not fear them in the NFC. So, uh, yeah, other than that, I think really good games. Dolphins uh, Dolphins surprise as well. I thought, you know, I think we picked that to be 
at least a double digit win for the Bills and, and the Dolphins hung around. So testament to them. They had a great year, but just couldn't get it done, you know, as most people expected. But other than that, really good football, some really good matchups next week um, already on the slate. So excited to jump into it. Well, let's go and jump into it then. Let's review uh let's review that Seahawks Niners game. I think that's this is going to be a pretty quick review overall. One thing I said going into this game was the Seahawks if they can force a turnover to on Brock Purdy, he's played pretty much mistake free and he did it again last Saturday. They were unable to do just that and honestly they were hanging with the Niners had a lead at one point and then it all just fell apart. Uh, a couple of interceptions there and a couple of explosive plays from the likes of Debo, uh, CMC, Kiddo. I mean, all these guys just stepping up. And there's so much talent on the Niners. I think it really showed you why it's tough to hang for, for four quarters. I thought that line of minus 10, I think minus nine and a half, but it is where it closed. I thought the Seahawks were going to be able to hang right around there. I thought it was going to be a one-score game, like maybe right at six or seven, but Niners were going to win. Maybe, you know, a little bit of a backdoor uh Maybe a bit of a backdoor cover there for the Seahawks. But in retrospect, I mean, once that we got midway through the third quarter, then going into the fourth, I mean, they just ran away with it. The Seahawks needed to score every possession to keep up with them. I think the most impressive part, I know I know people are given, give me your thoughts on Brock Purdy, because here, here's what I think, Rob. People are giving him a hard time. Some people are giving him a hard time. I shouldn't say everyone because of the talent around him. Just saying, essentially he's got so much talent around him, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's not his fault. For starters, Jimmy G had the same scenario. Trey Lance had the same scenario. I mean, every quarterback that steps in to play for the 49ers has absolutely elite talent. When you're looking at elite talent at the NFL level, like, I mean, they're they're just a cut above all these other teams. 90% of teams in the league are all pretty much even, except the quarterback separates them like the Chiefs what separates the Chiefs from everyone it's Mahomes even the Bills it's Josh Allen like it's the quarterback that separates for the Niners it's like legitimately their talent which you really only see that at the college level like um where where talent across the board separates uh teams like TCU Georgia like Stetson Bennett's not an elite quarterback I mean maybe someone's gonna argue that but I I don't think he is but they're an elite team just talent across the board and so it's so rare to see that in the NFL where a team is so elite, so talented. It almost doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. They are just going to steamroll good NFL teams. And typically you'll you see them struggle against good NFL teams. They're just steamrolling. So it's going to take another really, really talented team, which at this point in the season you're getting to that, to kind of dethrone them and maybe a couple of mistakes by Brock Purdy. But he's not making them. Um, I don't have – apart from Geno just – Shout out to him, man. Incredible season. We talked about him a lot this season, how impressive it is what he's done. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's back with the Seahawks. Uh, but I thought the Seahawks, it was their best game offensively in two games versus the other two games earlier this season. I thought they played pretty well minus a couple of those uh, costly turnovers. I think one of them wasn't necessarily Geno's fault. I think that sack fumble is the one where that really turned around the game in the third quarter. I mean, against that defense, I, I you can't. I, I don't really put a lot of fault there. Gino, what they've done is incredible. And the Seahawks, I don't think we're a very talented team at all across the board. Um, they're, they're really rebuilding. So uh, shout out to them. But give me your thoughts on Brock Purdy. And I don't know if you, if you have a lot to say on him, what your thoughts are on how good he is versus the talent around him. Me, I don't really care how good he is. I don't think there's a big drop off from the other guys that were there this year. And he's not making mistakes. It's To me, it's the same Niners team because, you know, the guys that are there before him weren't 
elite quarterbacks. They weren't guys with big arm talent. You know, they were guys that just found a way to win. Yeah. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah, and I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. If you go back and, yeah. and you can fact check me on that. Um, you know, Brock Purdy has shown to me that he is enough, you know, to take this team on a run. And that's partly why I have them in the Super Bowl um, coming out of the NFC. They could very well win the whole thing. I have Cincinnati win the whole thing. But, I mean, the way that both teams look this weekend, the 49ers definitely look better. Um, I don't think the Seahawks are that much better, or I don't think the Ravens are that much better than the Seahawks, um, if they are at all. So I think the 49ers definitely had a better weekend. But Brock Purdy, yeah. I mean, 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, and, a, and also a rushing touchdown on top of that. Yeah, sure. He has a lot of talent on his team. But like you said, that's not his fault. That's, that's you know, a testament to a good GM putting, you know, the right pieces together. I mean, you have mm -hmm. a top three running back in Christian McCaffrey. You have probably a top five receiving core um, in Debo, Ayuk, and, uh, and Kittle, if not maybe higher than top five. Um, so, yeah, he's doing – Brock Purdy's doing the job that he's supposed to be doing. As an NFL quarterback, if you're surrounded by a top five offense in the NFL as far as talent, you should be able to put up good numbers, good enough numbers to, you know, just put points on the board because the defense is going to do their job. Their defense is that good that Brock Purdy just needs to have, you know, average to, and he's had better than average games, certainly better than average games. Mm -hmm. But he he's doing exactly what NF, every NFL quarterback is supposed to have the talent to do when you put that much talent around them. So I saw a tweet this weekend where it said, you know, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but said if you put Zach Wilson on the 49ers, he would be doing even better than Brock Purdy. Um, I just don't think Zach Wilson's very good. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, maybe, because the scheme works for Brock. The scheme may have worked for Zach. Obviously, what I just said before and what you said was you surround a quarterback in the NFL with a lot of talent. They should thrive. Um, and that's why you maybe see Jimmy G thrive in this offense, too. They have a really good team. Um, that's what gives me a little bit of nerves around Trey Lance and what they're going to do this offseason between Brock Purdy and Lance if Lance comes back healthy. I don't see how you can't roll Brock Purdy out there next next year in week one if he's playing this good. Um, I don't care if Trey Lance was your first-round pick, high pick in the draft. Brock Purdy could potentially bring a Super Bowl to San Francisco, and, and you cannot deny that this offseason. So I'm super impressed with him. I'm super impressed with the Niners as a whole. Um, I think they're going to be really tough to beat, regardless of if Dallas or Tampa Bay wins. I think the Niners win that game anyway. Um, and move on to the NFC Championship. They're just that good. They have such a such a win streak going. I don't think they've lost since week eight um, or week nine, wh whichever one it was. And and they look that good. So, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I think Brock Purdy's good enough. I think the people that are still doubting him need to open their eyes a little bit and see that he's done it on a consistent basis. That was one of our biggest points this year with a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of teams in general was uh, – they cannot be, you know, quarterbacks have to be consistent. And that's what you look for, consistency, consistency. And Brock Purdy has been consistent pretty much every week he's been in uh, as a starter, and they've won every game he started. So you have to roll him out. You have to have confidence in him um, to continue to win football games. And I think they have the right team to surround him and the right coaches, and I think they're going to make a serious run. I don't think, I don't think it stops next week, whoever they play. Uh, Cowboys or Bucks, I don't think it matters. So 
super impressed with, with the Niners as a whole and Brock Purdy. I think the biggest difference between him and someone like a Zach Wilson is decision-making ability. And I yeah. think coaching scheme does influence a lot of that, but the ability to fit into the scheme, do ex- what he needs to do, kind of like Gino this year, fit, fit like a glove, did exactly what they asked him to do. And it improved his uh, processing, improved his decision-making ability. That's allowing the staff to do that. I think that matters. Coachable, um, not trying to do too much, play hero ball every play. I think that's a, very valuable trait in a young quarterback, especially when you're getting someone uh, that's considered Mr. Relevant in the draft. I think that's what's been able to separate him from uh, some of the other guys because overall, I think, uh, you know, LaFleur's from that similar coaching tree. So this isn't to make it a, a Zach Wilson or Jets conversation. This is more to say, you know, hearing you say that makes me actually think higher of Brock Purdy just from yeah. a decision-making ability perspective. And, um, you know, I even just in terms of turnover-worthy plays, only sitting at 3% since he took over as the starter and the number 12-graded quarterback. So a lot goes into that, but that's all to say he's doing what he needs to do to succeed, and he's going to have a tough test regardless of who they play next week. I know you've picked Dallas in this game. By the time people listen to this, we'll have known what took place in that game, but it doesn't matter to you because San Francisco is winning that ball game and selling onto the Super Bowl. You did mention Cincinnati and Baltimore. Um, as you were kind of talking to that analysis. So I'm going to jump to that game real quick while that's kind of fresh on my mind and we're talking about your Super Bowl pick. So the Bengals were your Super Bowl winner. I don't feed too much into that game yesterday. Yeah, I'm not sure if you do, but I don't read. I thought Mike McDaniel and the Ravens defense, I thought he had a phenomenal game plan. And you knew that they had, you knew Tyler Huntley and that they weren't going to hang 30 points. Like you knew that offense was not going to hang 30 unless they got a couple random crazy special team scores like the Bills got out of Naheem Hines a couple weeks ago in that season finale. But that's rare. And you knew they had to hold them under 20, similar uh, to what we talked about with the Bills Dolphins, although they got up to 31 and they didn't. Now, the reason they didn't is because not because they gave up a lot. It's because of just a complete gaffe there at the one-yard line. All in all, I thought the Ravens played a great game. I think this is where we may disagree some is the Ravens have been top five in DVOA much of this season. Um, they've had a really, really solid. They've had a top 10 defense all year, top five for the majority of this season. The Ravens have a very, very talented team. And I thought that the Ravens with Lamar Jackson were the team that could really upset um, a couple of these elite teams, elite being Chiefs, Bills, and then I think the Bengals kind of left into that category by season's end. They were the only ones talented enough to truly upset them. And they were physical enough, tough enough to be able to do it. We almost saw it last night. Uh, I, I thought it was just a great defensive game plan. They had Burrow off his game. I thought it was just... Um, great all-around game from the Ravens. It was just their their goal line offense was was the MVP uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. So with that said, I don't read into that too much. I still favor the Bills going to the Super Bowl and beating Cincinnati next week. That's going to be just a phenomenal game. But just how are you feeling about that Cincy pick? Do you take a, a lot out of that game? Because I think the Ravens overall – I thought that was a really, really difficult matchup for them. I didn't expect them to lose with Lamar not playing by any means, but um, it's, it was a tough matchup overall. No, the Bengals didn't play great, but I thought the uh, Ravens had enough to keep that game close. 
They certainly did. I think if Lamar plays that game, you're talking dangerous territory for the Bengals. And we made that point a lot earlier in the year that when we were considering who's for real, who's for debate, the Ravens were right on that bubble because we thought Lamar had, you know, had the juice, had enough in the tank to take out some of these bigger teams and establish themselves as a dominant team in the AFC. And um, they, they kind of have been on that bubble for a couple of years with him, but this was the year you kind of felt like maybe they'll make the, uh, they'll get over the hump. And unfortunately injury uh, made that not so much of a reality for the last six, seven games of the year. So uh, Huntley, Huntley's good with his legs, but I mean, he really can't throw the ball too well. Um, I wasn't nervous when he dropped back and throw, but um, he did escape a lot of what would have been sacks against a lot of other quarterbacks. Uh, so shout out to him, but their run game just killed the Bengals. And that that's what made me the most nervous, that and the, the Bengals offensive line, how depleted they are. I think they have um, only two of the five starters that started week one still starting um, because the other guys have been hurt due to injury. And I think that all happened within, you know, week 15, 16, 17, 18. So like all of them went down the last four weeks of the year. So that's really tough. Um, that's going to make it a lot tougher on them, especially against the Bills this week and just moving forward without, with the depleted offensive line. I think they're playing like two or three younger guys that just don't have the experience. And you could kind of tell last night the Ravens were making it tough on the Bengals to move the ball. One thing I did really like, though, and I think this is something that would have really benefited Burrow last year, obviously, uh, in that Super Bowl game, and they kind of touched on it last night, was how much he learned from that game. If you watched him last night, almost every play he dropped back to get to, to throw, he snapped the ball as soon as he finished his drop. It wasn't like he was holding on to it. Uh, mm -hmm. He was throwing the guys before they even turned around. I mean, he was getting the ball out super, super quick last night, yep. and I think that's why a lot of – uh, they had a lot of success early on um, moving the ball with Jamar Chase. He had quite a few receptions, but uh, even Hayden Hurst played pretty well as, uh, as well. But it, that was like the biggest thing I saw from Burrow, um, which was really encouraging, was he was just getting the ball out so quick. The pass rush couldn't get to him, uh, even with a depleted offensive line. So who knows what they do? Uh, maybe a little more experience under the belt after this week of practice for those guys uh, helps them a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He he's he's like the, the most sacked quarterback. I think he was the second most sacked quarterback in the playoffs in his first couple of years. Um, I think he was at like twenty two sacks last night, and the number one is twenty five or something like that. So he's been sacked so many times in the playoffs. He's only in his third year of the NFL. So um, I think that's their biggest fear is just staying healthy. And they, even some of their defensive guys went down last night. Before Eli Apple let up the touchdown, he got hurt. Um, I think there was another guy who got hurt, and then and then uh, they just struggled. I think they struggled to move the ball. But uh, when you look at it, like the Ravens are probably, I mean, I don't know, are they are they the best defense in the playoffs in the AFC? I don't know. In the AFC, them and the Bills are probably the top two. They might actually outrate the Bills. Um, they added Roquan, and that was a massive addition for them. And I think you, you just saw his presence be felt on the field last night. He was running all over the place. Uh, I think he had like 15 or 16 tackles in the in the uh, Week 18 game against the Bengals. So, like, they had to game plan against one of the best linebackers in the in the league. So I think that was tough for them as well. I think you got to give a little credit to the Bengals. You know, with a hurt offensive line, they were still able to pull it out. I know they had that miracle of a play on the goal line, the 98-yard fumble recovery. But um, 
you know, that's what that's what teams that win these things do. They win close games and they win really hard nosed, hard tough games and and they got one last week and they're gonna have another one this week against the Bills and and if they win that, my guess is they'll probably play the Chiefs in the AFC chip. So um there is no easy road for them. And I mean no easy road really for anyone in the AFC. Um I think the NFC is certainly easier, but man, like I'm not like you said, I'm not looking too much into that game. I think there was definitely some red flags. I was, I was texting a friend last night. I was saying, you know, the Bengals could be in trouble here. Uh, but I think they got out of that game with a win, and that's all that matters, and obviously in the playoffs. So uh, I'm not looking too far into it. I, I'm still confident in my pick. I still think they'll make it. Um, but this is going to be a good one. This is gonna this matchup is obviously, you know, what we didn't get. I think it was week 16 or 17 um, with the DeMar Hamlin injury. So we're, we're going to see the what what the outcome could have been in that game and would have had some playoff implications as far as seeding and everything but um we get we finally get to see that this weekend so i'm excited ravens ninth according to pro football focus uh chiefs are actually the only afc team above them on uh pro football focus chiefs are actually fifth overall in defense which is very a little surprising there uh when you look at dvoa buffalo is just above them in DVOA, of course, these metrics kind of encapsulate everything that these teams do. Buffalo is uh, second in defensive DVOA this season. Excuse me, they're fourth, whereas Baltimore was seventh. So Baltimore is a top 10 defense. Like we said, probably when healthy, the toughest defense remaining in the AFC playoffs. I think it's weird to think of the Chiefs as having a good defense, but overall this season, they have had a good one. It's weird to see them. I rank that highly, but when you look back on the season, what they've been able to do, they, you know, they, they've been uh, above average in DVOA and a top 10 team uh, when you level out the grades on pro football focus. So all that to say, it was a tough matchup for the Bengals. We're going to talk more about the impact of that offensive line when we discuss the Bengals-Bills matchup. But for now, Rob, I'm going to toss you to talk about this Chargers-Jags game, just an absolute meltdown. You alluded to it earlier. It's, I was trying to find the stat. I think it's the one of the biggest meltdowns in well over a couple decades. I don't have a lot of words apart from it was the ultimate Chargers thing to do. <laughs> uh, that really is where it leaves me. I mean, Lawrence has been number one in EPA since week eight, week nine. Uh, he threw, what, four interceptions in the first half and, yeah. and just turned into – what we thought he was supposed to be when he came out of Clemson in the second half, towards the end of the second quarter, they got that touchdown. And then to me, it's just inexcusable about how passive that offense is with Justin Herbert. Yeah. Still did not push the ball down the field. Still were not aggressive. They were playing not to lose. And it, they just gave Jacksonville life over and over and they paid for it. I think they've got to do something about letting Herbert be aggressive, letting him rip. They play passive, and they're paying for it. And I think deservedly so. They've done that to themselves. I think for me, I'm not a Chargers fan, but I'm a fan of good football and good offenses. And for me, it's extremely frustrating. And I think they've just paid for, you know, their sins that we've seen over the last couple seasons. They missed out on the playoffs last year. This season, they have the stupid Mike Williams decision last week that is, is a separate issue, but then they're aggressive. They have uh, 
the bottom half of the league in yards per target. You have Justin Herbert, one of the best deep ball throwers. Second half, they do the same thing. They're just dinking and dunking. They're not pushing the ball downfield. You still have talent that can stretch the field. You have the quarterback that can stretch the field, really the dude that can stretch the field outside of like Mahomes and Allen. That's who you want to be able to do that is probably Justin Herbert. He's probably number three there, and they're not letting him do it. So I think they deserved it. Watching them blow that is, for a minute, I wanted to see Chargers and Chiefs. And then the next second, I was like, man, screw it. If that's how you're going to be offensively with one of the best, most talented quarterbacks in the league, then you deserve it. That's what you had coming. And that's that's kind of how, how I see it played out. It's not much of a game breakdown, but give me your thoughts on that. I know you're a huge Herbert fan, bit bigger <laughs> fan than I am. So that had to be just maddening to watch that transpire. Yeah, I love Herbert. I love I love Lawrence too. I, I mean, I loved him in college, and I thought he's. I, I really do think he's going to be a really good quarterback for many years. But I mean, gosh, I would have loved to see the Chargers versus the Chiefs one more time just to kind of see what happens. Uh, I really think, and this is so frustrating, and we talked about it last week. I really think Herbert is a different quarterback when Mike Williams is not on the field. And the fact that Mike Williams got rolled out there week 18 in a meaningless game would have had no impact on seeding, anything like that. They roll him out there. He gets hurt. He's one of the most injury-prone wide receivers probably in the league, especially this year. He's been on and off. Um, and you roll him out there, like, come on. I mean, you have to go into the playoffs with full strength. And when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler are all in the field with Herbert, it's a totally different team. Um, it's just such a killer. I mean, Everett had a good game. He's he's been really solid this year, but it's it's hard to watch constantly. And even like going to Twitter after the game and and this whole weekend is just constantly hearing you know Herbert's not the guy. Herbert's Herbert's this and that. Like I can't stand it because he's so good. He's so good, and he's they're just they can't figure it out. And they're so talented. They have one of the most talented rosters in the league, and they can't figure it out. And it's just maddening every year to watch this. And I don't have much else to say. I mean, kudos to the Jaguars. I hope they can keep it close against the Chiefs. I think they will. I think I'm probably not giving them enough credit. They have been really good the last seven, eight weeks of the year. So um, maybe it's a better matchup. But I don't know. I mean, Trevor Lawrence went absolutely bonkers in the second half. Um, He's a stud. He's going to be really good for for a long time. I think the Jaguars are going to be – a playoff team. They're going to dominate the the AFC South for, for years now. And, and I think uh, they're kind of establishing that with that playoff win. Just a massive comeback. I know James, uh, who's over at Jet Up, he turned the game off, I think, at halftime. Or when he saw it was 27-7, to 7, it was like, ah, whatever. I'm going to bed. And then he texted me in the morning. He was like, the Jaguars won that game? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was ridiculous. And then Ryan chimed in and was like, yeah, it was all Trevor Lawrence. But, I mean, the Chargers had nothing in the second half. I mean, they punted, like, every possession. I mean, they had zero turnovers in the whole game, yet they had no points. Um, they had three points in the second half. It's like, that's awful. I mean, just looking at these stats is, is ridiculous. They had more time of possession. They had more punts than the Jaguars, yet the Jaguars still had more plays than them. Like, it, it just doesn't add up. So... I mean, shout out to the Jaguars, but it's it's really hard to watch the ja- the the Chargers lose every year, and all the blame gets put on Herbert. I think some of the blame can get put on him, but I think a lot of it has to go to Staley, and I think Staley has to go. 
I, th- I think it just hasn't worked to this point, and it's not going to work. I mean, if he's going to continue to back that offensive system and the play calling, then, yeah, he probably should. I'm, I'm okay with Staley sticking around another year or two if they can fix it offensively. But at this point, it's beyond frustrating to watch the same issues in their season over and over and it not to be corrected. Let the man loose. Like, cut him loose. You don't see Andy Reid holding back Mahomes. You don't see Ken Dorsey and recently Brian Devil holding back Josh Allen. It doesn't happen. Burrow lets lets to gets to let it rip. Like Herbert, they're constantly going into protective mode and holding him back. And I think that that is something that has to change, or at least at minimum that has to change. If it doesn't, it's going to be the same same song with the Chargers next season, whether it happens at the end of the regular season or early on in the playoffs. But nonetheless, let's hop over to this next game where we've got the Bills and Dolphins. Dolphins were able to make it an interesting contest. Josh Allen has at one point led the league in red zone turnovers between interceptions and fumbles. I can't remember if he finished first, um, if he did end up leading the league. So we knew that was going to potentially be a problem. We said that was one where Dolphins got to hold them under 20 points and it wasn't going to happen. Uh, but the forced turnovers allowed the Dolphins to get into scoring position and to keep pace and really give the Bills a scare and nearly pulled it off in and eliminated them. However, there's too much talent. Josh Allen was too good, and they just said not today. Even when the Bills were at their worst, they jumped out to a good lead. They looked good. His turnovers took place. Defense kind of fell apart a little bit. His corners started getting burnt by the receivers just a little bit. And the Bills really played awful. You know, Bills and Bengals, neither team, I thought, played that good. And they're matching up next week. So it's always good when you can see a team that is elite, that's why they're elite, play poorly and take someone else's absolute best punches with their backup quarterbacks. I think there's maybe a little bit of underestimation going on there as well, potentially, and to be able to come out on top, face a little adversity. That's something you want to see. However, those teams are going to play each other next week. So I thought it was something where Miami was able to force the turnovers, do what they needed to do to keep pace. You had to turn Allen over a couple times. He's prone to it. They were able to pull it off. They were able to punch it in. A little bit of a defensive letdown by the Bills. I'm sure we'll be talking to Andy Mack about that at some point this week, but All in all, Bills are able to fight through adversity, get the win. They've been our number one, number two team pretty much all year. That hasn't really changed for me. Uh, They just need to – I don't expect them to underestimate the Bengals going into next week and vice versa. So I think that's going to be a game where you're truly getting these two teams at their absolute best as opposed to what we saw this weekend where you had truly inferior teams due to their quarterback situation. They were not inept in talent, and I think that's maybe where underestimating someone happens. And it's hard to even say they underestimated it because it's these guys' jobs, so maybe I shouldn't even say that. But it's hard not to think that, you know, that plays a bit of a bit of a factor there in terms of your overall uh, focus. So I think that's what led to these closer games for the Bills and Bengals. But now they're on to visit each other next weekend and what's going to be just a tremendous matchup. So before we move on, do you have a lot of thoughts on, on Dolphins, Bills, uh, that you anything specific you wanted to discuss with them? Not too much. I, I think there was a couple of games this weekend where 
it looked like a team was going to run away with it, and then it ended up being a close game. I mean, obviously, what we just touched on with the Chargers and uh, and the Jaguars, Bills Dolphins felt like another one. Uh, even at one point, like after the first drive of the Bengals game, I was like, uh, I think the Bengals are going to be just fine. And end up all three of them being one score game. So um, you kind of got to take out the, I mean, you can't fully take out regular season results from when you're analyzing playoff games, but mm-hmm. it's just such a different atmosphere. It's such a different environment. Anything can happen. People are playing differently. Um you kind of watch as a fan differently, even when there, you know when there's five minutes left in a game and, and one team is down by one score or a field goal and and they punt it away or something like that. You're kind of like, oh crap! Like this could be the end of the season for whoever the favorite is in that game. So that happened a couple times this weekend, and, and it happened in the Bills Dolphins game as well. So you know, if Tua plays, who knows what happens? You can't really speculate at this point. Um, it was a good game. I mean, it, it ended up, and that's just what I want to see as a fan. And I think uh, I don't really have like, I, again, I'm still taking the Bengals over the Bills. I don't think um, you can look at how the Bills played this past weekend and say they're absolutely going to come out of the, of the AFC um, or absolutely going to beat the Bengals. I think uh, both teams had subpar games. I think they're better than how they played this weekend. And and I think they're going to have to play better than how they played this weekend going into uh, the divisional round this coming weekend. So that's all I really have. I mean, Josh Allen has to be better with the ball, less turnovers. Um, but they trust him. They trust him to make big plays. Yeah. They trust him to run the ball. And when you do those kind of things and you give him that green light, sometimes you turn the ball over. So uh, if he can limit those turnovers, I think they'll be tough to beat. But again, uh, I'm staying true to the Bengals next week. And, and I think that's going to be a really fun one that a lot of people would have loved to see a couple weeks ago for obvious reasons that didn't happen. But um, now we get to see it this weekend in a playoff game to go to the AFC chip. So should be a really good one, really fun one. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about the Giants later this week when we talk to those guys for a second episode this week. But let me get your thoughts on Giants-Vikings. We call the Vikings frauds all season. They were 11-0 in one-score games. Uh, now they're 11-1 in one-score games, um, a stat that is just prone to regress at some point. Next year may be ugly in those one-score games. That's something that's typically closer to – uh, 500 than being 11 and 0, which is an insane stat to close out games like that. They were 30th in the league in scoring differential in the first half, and they were first in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter. And it finally bit them in the butt. And but that's their ceiling. We talk about that all year, Rob. That's why the Vikings are fraud. Kirk Cousins' ceiling is is a conference championship game. They weren't able to get past the Giants. You and I both thought they would. I would. Great scheme, great game plan by the Giants. They executed. I didn't think they were. I thought. I didn't think they were going to be able to hold the Vikings under thirty points. I didn't think they were going to put up thirty. I thought it would be close, but you and I both thought the Vikings pulled out. I think I maybe I was more leaning more towards the Vikings, even stronger uh, than you. But they are what they are. They, they're the frauds that we thought they were. Um, and it really showed. Shout out to the Giants, man. So much fun to follow this team. Fun to follow Joe and Justin at Giant Up. I can't wait to talk to them later this week. And we'll talk more about that game then, I'm sure. But uh, Kirk Cousins, that's a ceiling. And they're probably going to be rolling with him again. And 
Uh, Kevin O'Connell and him is going to be a good pairing, but they're a wild card divisional team, and that's where they're capping it uh, year in and year out. And we saw that again this season where the Vikings season comes to an end. Giants marching on to Philly. Again, we'll be previewing that one later this week. But before we jump into this, uh, these conference, uh, these divisional previews, do you have any thoughts on Giants Vikings that you wanted to give out right here? I think for us, although we picked the Vikings last week, I think it was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say 50, 50. That sounds like pretty cowardly, but I would say like 60, 40, uh, we had the mm-hmm. Vikings and, I don't think we're sitting here shocked that the Giants won by any means. I think uh, a lot had to go right for the Giants to win, and some stuff has to go wrong for the Vikings to lose. But uh, everything went right for the Giants, pretty much. I mean, outside of that first drive of the game where you thought the Vikings might put up a lot of points um, after just driving right down the field on the first drive and getting, getting a touchdown, um, they kind of – held him in check the rest of the game and Daniel Jones played phenomenal. I think that was his best game to date in the NFL. Like no question. Um, they used him really well. I think he made some really good decisions. He's mm-hmm. very dangerous on his feet and he showed that I think he rushed it 17 times or something like that. Um, yeah. 17 for 78. So, and not a lot of those plays were designed runs. If really any of them, I think maybe a couple, but outside of that, I think it was a lot of, Nothing's open, and he scrambled. And I'm not really surprised with nobody being open sometimes. Uh, the Giants don't really have the greatest wide receivers. Slayton had a pretty good game. Hodgins had a pretty good game. Um, but, man, Daniel Jones played a near-perfect game, um, and he had to. And I think I think they have some confidence going into Philadelphia. Like, I, I, don't, I don't hear any Giants people saying that the season's over. Like, I think that's as good as they looked all year, and that's exactly what they needed to do. Going into Philly, they're healthy. They look good. Uh, I mean, I was I was really stunned. I was texting my Giants friends yesterday, and I was like, "Man, like they do look really good." Uh, I did not expect this. I didn't watch a lot of Giants games this year, but they looked a lot better than I expected. And I anticipate them to go into Philly with a chip on their shoulder. A lot of people writing them off um, outside of the Giants community. That is, but uh, I think the Giants community has some confidence, and and I, I can see why they do. I think they. Uh, They are better than some of us expected. They're not very talented outside of uh, Saquon and Dale Jones, but they play, they play hard and, and they come out with some wins here. So uh, really exciting to watch them play. They're fun to watch actually. Um, So I think it'll be a fun one against, against the Eagles. And uh, I think they got them twice this year. They definitely did because the Eagles only lost one game. So they got them twice this year. Like we always say, it's tough to beat a team three times. So uh, maybe Giants pull out some magic this week. They might be able to do it. Looking forward to previewing that game more. And to round out that thought, uh, it does seem like they're peaking at the right time. Brian Dabble, he's in the argument for Coach of the Year alongside Doug Peterson and a couple other guys. I think he's the Coach of the Year. To do what he's done with Daniel Jones is truly incredible. I mean, that guy was just borderline in a complete backup situation. I had written him off completely, and he's he really didn't look good for the first half of the year. Now he's finally getting comfortable, confident, and looking good. Here's what I'll say. When you watch them in the first half of the season when they jumped out to that 5-0 and record earlier in the year, they were stumbling to that record. They were fortunate, and a lot of opponents had misfortune to get that 
that record. We were talking about that a lot where it was like when you watch those games, they were truly like lucky. You're like, I can't believe yeah. they won again. It was <laughs> it was like the craziest thing, you know, that they won uh, week in and week out. You're like, they were not the better team on the field. Fast forward to yesterday, kind of bouncing off of your thoughts. As I reflect on it, listening to you, I'm like, you know what? They look, They went out and took it. They went out and got it. They didn't stumble their way to victory. I mean, they took it. They looked like the more talented. They looked like the better team all day long, not for like half a quarter when they were able to like dabble, coached them to this win, and you're like, how did he do it? It was like they came out and they won. They were aggressive from the jump. I think that's a massive, massive difference in the Giants from earlier in the season to now. So we'll see how close that they can keep that game with the Eagles next week and if they can even pull it off. But Jags and Chiefs, I don't think the Jags – I think the Jags can make this a game. I think they can make it competitive. I don't think that they're going to win this by any means. I will run through. The Chiefs are currently the number one offense according to PFF. Mahomes is the number two graded quarterback according to Pro Football Focus. They have the fifth graded defense, the left and graded special teams if you care about that. When you hop over to DVOA, the Chiefs are fourth overall in total DVOA. They are first in offensive DVOA. They are 17th in defensive DVOA. The Chiefs, what they've done offensively, they've been more efficient. I think Mahomes has thrown more yards than they have in previous years. The Chiefs kind of feel like they're being slept on a little bit. And I got to wonder how that's going to play out the rest of the playoffs. Because what Mahomes has done, he looks like he's finally fit into a system. He's not trying to do too much like he did in years past. He's going with the flow and he's fitting into the system. I think that's truly scary. And as good as Trevor Lawrence and the Jags have looked, I think that they could get absolutely boat raced this weekend. Maybe they come out hot and they keep this one close early in the game and then kind of watch the Chiefs run away with it. I really don't think this game's going to be that close, as good as the Jags have been the back half of the season. What about you? Yeah, I, I tend to lean that way. Um, I think you're absolutely right that people are underestimating the Chiefs, kind of just forgetting about them. Um, they are still the juggernaut in the AFC. Uh, despite Tyreek Hill not being there this year, Patrick Mahomes had one of the best, if not the best, years of his career so far. Um, and they're just clicking on all cylinders, and especially in the playoffs. You know how they come in the playoffs. Uh, their fans expect AFC Championship every year. Um, and I think they, they bring that that ability every year. So it's going to be hard for the Jaguars. I think this is a great start for the Jaguars and what their franchise will look like in years to come. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think the, the steam runs out this weekend. I think the Chiefs move on. Um, if I have to guess, I mean, I was dead wrong on my predictions as far as scores go last week. But, yeah, I'm, more, I'm leaning more towards like a 10 to 14 point win. Uh, for the Chiefs. I just think they're going to be too much. I think their offense is overwhelming. Like we talked about just before, their defense is a lot better than some people might think. And uh, I think they're going to just be a little too much firepower for the uh, Jaguars. I think when when most people look at the remainder of the AFC, you know, the Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, Jags, um, I think a lot of people look beyond the Jaguars at this point. I think if the Chargers were in, I think it'd be a different story. I think they could give the Chiefs fits, but obviously not the case. So I think a lot of people are looking at Chiefs moving on and then Bengals-Bills is a toss-up uh, for a lot of people. But yeah, so I, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think they win uh, pretty comfortably. 
but it's just been a phenomenal year for the Jaguars. And I think they showed, like I just said, showed the league that they're here to compete for a lot of years ahead. And, and they get Calvin Ridley back next year, which a lot of people are forgetting how good he was. So uh, that that's going to be a massive upgrade for them as well. But they're looking good. I just don't think they're good enough to compete with the Chiefs. Not not compete, but to, to beat the Chiefs. So uh, give me Kansas City in a uh, double-digit victory this weekend. Let's get down to brass tacks with this Buffalo and Cincinnati matchup. Because <laughs> I don't have any arguments there, obviously. This is going to be an absolutely phenomenal game. It's going to probably be the most hyped game of the weekend, and for good reason. You have mm-hmm. Josh Allen, the number one graded passer, according to Pro Football Fake Focus, going against Burrow, the number three graded passer. You have the Bills, who are number one overall in team DVOA, second in offense, fourth in defense. The Bengals are fifth overall in DVOA. They are first, excuse me, fourth offensively, Chiefs were first, fourth offensively, 11th defensively, two elite teams. One thing that stuck out to me with the Bengals this season has been how much better their defense has been over the course of the season. Remember last year, they were awful defensively. They're bad on the line, on the offensive line, and they really weren't that good defensively. They were average, and they really kind of hit their stride, and they were really, really good defensively in the playoffs, like really, really good last year in the playoffs defensively. But they've been able to keep that over the course of this season. I think that's just a credit to them building depth, building that team, developing that roster. And now they have a really, really good uh, defense out there in Cincinnati to go alongside Joe Burrow in that offense. We know that offensive line is a little depleted, which kind of calls back to last year, potentially why they ended up not having a couple extra seconds to win that Super Bowl hitting chase deep. So the Bills, we know that they have these moments, these mental lapses where they just kind of go to la-la land. They're clearly the best team in the league, and they just disappear. They did it against Miami. They've done it a couple of times throughout this season. Josh Allen has led the league in red zone turnovers for much of this season. It can be a problem. This game currently has Buffalo as a five-point favorite. I think that's a massive line. Yeah. When I saw high. five, that that I thought two and a half. Two and a half, three and a half at most. Five is a massive number, man. I, I was stunned to see them as five-point favorites in this one. Uh, I, I understand home field advantage and them being a favorite, but that, that's a massive line. And I'm not sure if there's something we're potentially missing at all with that, if it r- truly is this offensive line uh, mm-hmm. getting factored into that spread potentially. But, I mean, this is my Super Bowl pick against your sp- Super Bowl pick. And when I saw that, I was like, that doesn't make any sense because yeah. this is a borderline pick them to me. Uh, you know, and it's home field advantage, maybe giving them that two or three points. But what about yeah, you? Yeah, I, I don't know. That seems really high to me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also argue it should be around two and a half to three, three and a half. I think that's a more comfortable line. Um, I'm not going to take the Bengals with the points because every time I bet on a team that I want to win, they lose. So I'm going to stay away from that. But um, I think, like you said, to just get back to the Bills for a minute, like when they came out, I'm like, I'm actually really shocked because that's the first time I heard five points. So like, I'm kind of, I lost my train of thought just thinking about that. But when they came out against the Dolphins, the first 
couple drives, first drive particularly, they started taking some shots right away. Like they started firing down the field and you were just like, oh man, this is going to be um, an absolute route. They were moving the ball pretty well. Um, they took a couple deep shots and they got one or two of them. And you just thought they were going to run away with the game. You got Tony Romo calling Josh Allen, you know, Mr. January, all this crap that I think is a little premature, but um, you just thought they were going to run away with it. Same kind of feeling with the Bengals, their first drive, drove down the field, only got a field goal, but looked good, looked clean on the first drive. And then I think they both kind of settled back, um, settled in and, and didn't really perform as well as most people think. Maybe that's why the Bills are, are favored. Maybe they're really giving them more points just because of that uh, home field advantage. But I don't know. The Bengals were underdogs in every game last playoffs, and they went on the road every game and won. And I don't think going on the road really bothers them, um, unless it's a crazy weather day, which I don't. I haven't checked the forecast. Uh, I'm not really concerned about the Bengals' offense. But five seems high to me. I'm still going to stick with the Bengals regardless of the points. Um, that's going to be, I think, the best game of the weekend, especially after we just talked about Chiefs-Jags potentially being a 10-point win uh, for the Chiefs. And I think similar stuff's going to happen with the Eagles-Giants. I think it's going to be close, but I think um, this Bengals-Bills game is going to be absolutely the best game of the weekend and especially the most anticipated. And uh, I kind of wish we got it on Saturday just because I want it sooner than Sunday. But uh, Sunday at 3 o'clock is just fine with me. And and it'll be fun to watch. And, and I think there's just so much firepower in that game. And I hope they all come to play. I hope that offensive line for the Bengals can show up and at least give them a chance to uh, show how good that offense really is. Because T. Higgins was quiet this past weekend. I think if mm-hmm. they get him going, they get Chase going just like they did this past weekend. They're a really tough team to stop. And they didn't get the run game going at all. I mean, Mixon was running right into his offensive line's butts. So uh, if they can get all three phases going, I think they're really tough to beat. That's kind of why I have them uh, moving on from here. But close game, I, I, I think it's going to be lower than five, one way or the other. I think the Bills are going to have to find a way to create pressure. So I actually talked about this with Andy Mack last week when we were kind of previewing that Bills game. And they have to be able to generate pressure. So they do have a solid defense. They've, <clears throat> they have talent there, but they do have some weaknesses in that secondary. And Chase Higgins-Boyd can 100% burn these corners we saw that was kind of their weakness against the Dolphins and as much of the season is getting beat by some of these receivers especially these yards after catch receivers like Hill and Waddle that was a specific weakness for them uh, as far as I was able to understand heading into that game and I think that can be a problem by getting burnt deep against Chase Boyd can beat him after the catch Chase is good after the catch as well uh, Higgins is a big bodied receiver who could move good route runner so it's going to be difficult to slow down that trio, and they have to generate pressure. So the Bills are league average. As good as their defense is, as talented as they are, something about that scheme, something about the way they design it, they are just middle of the pack in generated pressure and in creating sacks, especially since Von Miller went down. Now, that was a big injury for them. The Von Miller injury, I think, has really hurt them along the defensive line. Not that it was necessarily – not that they're – They've lost a ton of talent where it hurt them was in their sack percentage and pressure percentage. They are truly middle of the pack since then. And they, when you look at it over the course of the season, their pressure percentage and sack percentages are league average or slightly below league average. 
I think sack per, I think pressure percentage is slightly below league average. Sack percentage is right there at it. I think it's going to matter against Burrow. We know the Bengals go with a lot of empty sets. They did it more so earlier in the season as opposed to now. But that's going to be a problem when you're facing a Bengals offensive line that is down three starters. Well, I haven't heard anything on if all those guys are definitively out. Uh, I'm talking as if they are. Even if they are, you're missing one or two starters. That's a problem. I think it's too late in the season to try to get chemistry and get them going um, because you need that along the offensive line. We've seen the Bengals do this without a talented offensive line before. They just did it last year so they can work around it. But it's Sean McDermott and that allegedly Flip Fraser, they're going to have to identify areas of weaknesses that teams last year were unable to attack defensively against the Bengals to slow them down when they were clearly inept. They've got to be able to identify what the Rams were able to do against an inept offensive line and translate that into this game to create more pressure, to create some sacks, and potentially force a couple turnovers or at least get the ball out of their hands. We saw Mike McDaniel and the Ravens were able to do that, but they are able to create pressure. Sacks at a higher percentage than what the Bills have done throughout the season. But the Bills do have quite a bit of talent on that defense, if not just as much talent as teams like the Ravens do. So that's what I've got to see from the Bills. I think Josh Allen's going to do his thing. The Bengals have a really good defense. I think they're going to find ways to slow him down. But if they're going to take advantage of what is currently the Bengals' weakness, the Bills have to find a way to create pressure and get to Joe Burrow. Because if not, I think – you know, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, I mean, they're going to just annihilate these corners the way they've been playing lately. I, I think they could just absolutely burn them, which is going to force them, much like the Bills had to against Kansas City last year to keep pace, put up 30-plus points to be able to have a chance to win, and even that might not be enough. So that is what I want to see out of the Bills. Uh, for them to be able to win this game, the Bengals, it's just the inverse of that, honestly. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They've got to find a way – to keep it together along the offensive line and protect Burrow. I think they're going to be fine because he's cool, calm, and collect just as much as anyone has ever been in the last uh, decade. And it's fun, fun to watch. No, I have not forgotten about Brady in those. That's what I mean. He's cool, calm, and collect much like uh, those previous Super Bowl champions, specifically Brady. But he's now got to do it. He's got to actually do it if he wants to really be in that class. And he's got the persona. He's got the talent to be able to do that, and we've seen the Beagles get hot after that slow 0-2, 1-3 start early in the season. I think that the Bills are still going to be able to find a way to pull this out, but, I mean, look, my Super Bowl prediction was based off of really this game, the winner of this game, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to look past Mahomes and the Chiefs and what they've done. It, you know, so it was more of a gut feel of this is just the Bills' breakthrough season. We'll see what happens, but I've got to see some pressure. I've got to see some sacks without Von Miller. I've got to see that created against this depleted offensive line. We know the offense is going to be fine. Gabe Davis finally came to life looking much better. He's been up and down. If he, he seems to just come alive this time of season. So I think offensively for both of these teams, they're going to be able to put up points. It's just a matter of, you know, who's creating pressure along the line. I think the Bills have the – better opportunity to do just that, but you've got to execute. At some point when you're this elite, you have to execute. And the Bills have to do it this season. Man, they've got to execute. So that's what I want to see out of them. That's my thoughts on this game. You got anything else you want to finish this off with? Not really. Uh, I think that's a really good point. I think um, that's something that the Bengals struggled with 
when they were pressured last year, um, especially come playoff time. And that's kind of why you saw the Rams win the Super Bowl late at the game when, uh, you know, Donald just came in like a wrecking crew and uh, really blew up that last play when Jamar Chase might have been open for a touchdown. So, yeah, really important to get pressure on Joe Burrow. I think he looks a lot more comfortable back to my point earlier in the show where he gets the ball out really quick now. Um, but I think the um, Bills secondary is really good as well. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Bengals to win. I think they're absolutely the underdog. But, again, I'm just going to continue to stick with them. Um, that's really all I got there. I love Joe Burrow in the playoffs. I think Josh Allen's just as good. But uh going to stick with my boy, Joey B. Man, we, we just went a full hour with that. The playoffs are a ton of fun to talk about. Obviously, we'll be back with Eagles-Giants later in the week. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. Rob's going for some prison rules, so tune <laughs> in to that one. Tweet some Whoever, questions. <laughs> tweet, tweet some questions. There we go. Whoever is playing the Niners, Rob's already got them uh, losing to the Niners. But we'll let you give a couple thoughts on that game later in the week once we know who's actually playing them. I also concur, hard to argue against you there, in terms of the Niners going on to the conference championship game. Folks, tune in later this week to listen to that matchup preview between the Eagles and the Giants. That's going to be a fun one. Appreciate you tuning in for this one, listening. If you made it the full hour, shout out to you. We love you and appreciate you for it. Go check us out at rosteropmedia.com. You can check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roster Up Media, there and on all social channels at Roster Up Media. You can find him at RobMcW24. You can find me at Cody Engel. We appreciate you tuning in. Rob, I'll catch you later in the week, man.